give me anything ridiculous. What's going on, everybody? Another episode of Four Transplants and a Microphone, talking about all things Charlotte, whether you're thinking about moving here, doing business here, already do either of those things, and the small business culture that is embedded deep in Charlotte. So today we're recording from the Fox and Hound in North Lake. They're always good to us here, and we have two guests on, repeat guests, actually. We're going to do some quick intros around the table, because you've already met them before if you've been listening to the episodes, but starting... I guess across from me, we're going to start with Brian, do a little quick intro. This is going to be confusing. So Brian Johnson, you guys have heard of me, Maine and Johnson is my company, so. Excellent. And Brandon, the uh, regular. Yep, Brandon with Superior Data Solutions. And I'm Jack Tompkins with Pineapple Consulting Firm, and we've got Brandy and Jen returning. We'll start, Brandy, do your little quick intro if you don't mind. Yeah, I'm Brandy Montambo. I'm with Payroll Plus HCM. Just happy to be here, happy to have transplanted to Charlotte. Very nice. Yay. And Brandy has been a guest host for us as well, as well as Jen has. So Jen, give us your little quick intro as well. Yeah, I'm Jen Schneider with Savvy Sales Strategy, helping small, medium-sized businesses with their sales strategy. And I am also a transplant from Southern California. Jen, you, you know what? You could, If you wanted to shorten your lead-in ever for your business, you could just say, I help medium businesses. <laughs> medium. Oh. I do. <laughs> That's pretty good. And how long? You said you were here 2010 or 2000? 2000, yes. And you? Yeah, well, I transplanted originally from Missouri via Memphis, Tennessee for a few years, and I got here around 2000. Oh. Isn't that where Cops started the show? That's I right. So, yeah. yes. Memphis. Rightfully so. I've been there a few times. <laughs> yeah, <I was> like, <laughs> makes me want to sing the song I, right now. I, I was driving by, like, on the way to the airport, and there was a Hampton in there, and I might have seen 50 cop cars with their lights on in the Hampton Inn parking lot in Memphis, and I was sure they were filming an episode. Yeah, we, we actually... <laughs> oh, no, that's just an average day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <It's a Tuesday. laughs> this was way back when, in, like, the 90s, and we went to stop and... I was a hotel, it was like a Motel 6 in Memphis, and like, yeah, we ain't staying here. Stop. <laughs> but like Beale Street, and like some of the places are really cool. Oh no, they're beautiful, it's yeah. just don't go to certain parts. Don't leave your, don't leave your wallet. Hey, I think every city is that way though, right? Probably. It is It is rich in heritage and culture and, and a, a real ethnic vibe, but you just know where you want to be and where you yeah. don't want to be. You just might get <laughs> jacked up while you're there. <laughs> I don't know. Ohio's like that, too. I, I'm telling you. Yeah. yeah you get yeah. hit with a corn cob, you won't even know what's coming. Stop. I definitely wouldn't see that coming. No. <laughs> so we've got some topics. Jack, you normally introduce topics, so yes. I won't steal your thunder this time. Thank you. So right. today we're, we're always talking small business, right? On the show, it's, it always comes back to small business and fashion. Mediums. Or medium-sized businesses. <laughs> we've got a lot of inflation now. We've got a potential recession. So we're at the time of recording. We're about halfway through the year. So next six months, what do we see coming, small business-wise? What do we see in general? Any topic? Feel free. What do you guys think? Well, so I mean, however we look at it, everybody can see the inflation piece right. because that's front and center. Like you're paying more for gas. You know, we always laugh that like every time there's like. A shortage, all the bread and milk go off the, the thing. Now there's plenty of bread and milk because nobody wants to buy it because it's Cause expensive. Right. Yeah. So there's all of that. And and as you guys kind of interact with businesses in different ways, how do you see that, let's just say, changing the behavior of businesses that you work with? Are, are people tightening up? Are they, oh, this is no big deal. We're going to get more oil production. All our prices are going to go down. I mean, I saw today they think gas is what is under a barrel is under $100, but it hasn't changed pricing. Right. So like, how, how do business owners that you're interacting with, how do they respond to it? 
Yeah. Guess if you want to start, yeah. go for it. Sure, yeah. I know in the sales industry, right, when I would go out, no matter what, and I've, I've been in sales for 20 years, so I've seen recessions, we've seen bull markets, we've seen up and downs, and really, truly, people buy what they feel like buying, right? If they make it a priority, and, and they know that's a need, especially with a small business, I feel like it's all about identifying the need, right? Finding what they truly are looking for and being able to supply it in the, you know, in, in an affordable way, right? Because that's, I think, what we're, what we're seeing, right? When you go to the grocery store and your bill used to be 100, now it's 200. I mean, that, that's a scary, you know, thought. So when somebody brings those things up, I know it's coming from a place of fear. And I know that scarcity is also a mindset, right? So if yep. there's, if you know that everything you're putting out and the time and the energy that you're putting into the world is going to come back to you and you truly believe that, I think that it'll all come back around, right? Well, in a lot of ways, what we do while it is different, like we all essentially try to provide a, a value to the end user. But I think what you're right, Jen, is when it gets to that fear mode, it becomes a cost. It's not a value anymore. It's not an investment in their business. It's right. a cost in their business. And I, I think one of the things that is challenging is, is, is we kind of are going through this that I see is when people start to pull back, it's like, what? It's like stock prices go down, like all this stuff starts going down, like everything starts to pull back. And you've got to understand that like, you've got to look at your business. If your costs are going up, have a frank conversation with your customer base and say, in order for me to continue providing these services long-term, I have to adjust my prices. Right. Big companies do it all the time. All the Small time, businesses right. that are so fearful of the word price that they're afraid if I increase price, I will lose business. Well, if you don't adjust your pricing, you're absorbing all of that in margin, you might go out of business. So would you rather risk possibly losing a customer or two or have nothing left to serve? Right. Yeah, and I think some of that is because the big companies do it, they're a monolith and there's no one to complain to. Mm -hmm. Like you can call and complain all you want and they're gonna have the phone on the desk and right. yeah, it is what it is. For a small business owner, yeah, there is that fear that, hey, maybe we're gonna lose this customer, whatever the case may be. And there's the idea of, okay, I lose this person or I lose, let's say five. Well, what does that do to me? So it's do you- impact. Yeah, do, you, do I lose five and make more and still break even, or do I keep them all? So well, and I think this is why the, the small businesses that are focused on fractional, right, are doing so well, because the monoliths of the world or the old, old school model is kind of being flipped in these times, because we've had the, what, the great exodus yeah. of people. So mm -hmm. now it's like, there's a talent, right? All these big companies are struggling because they need sales they need financial advising they need hr and now all of these types of things are being provided outside of the company now it's a choice like do i outsource what at what stage of my business am i because i mean it's like keep the lights on right keep everything moving in the right direction make sure everybody's paid but is it get rid of employees right you can't get rid of your sales because then you really won't have any money coming in so you want to make sure that you're putting in the effort in the right places and i think people get you know, just that fear and, and not knowing what to do next, but having an advisor, which we talked about on a, another episode, yep. hopefully. Yeah, no, we did. Yeah, and, and I think the mentality of a lot of small business owners is to live to fight another day. So if you can literally keep the lights on, keep the phones on, yep. and tr 
trim out everything else you can, whether you should keep it or not. It's just survival mode. Now, some of them are wrong. And I've seen it where they'll just not buy a new computer and, you know, it's limping along and it's hurting production. Like if you were to upgrade your systems and your processes and how you do things technology-wise, you may be able to operate permanently with one less person. Sometimes too, I mean, there's jobs that were, people just kept doing the same thing and they could have just automated the whole process. Mm. And I'm not a big fan of getting rid of somebody, but you maybe you can reallocate that person that's already dedicated in part of the company, reallocate them to something that definitely needs addressing. And something they might yeah. like better. It, it, it's a, it's honestly, it's a perfect example. So on my, you know, driving back from Ohio over the 4th of July, I'm one of those people that if I stop at a McDonald's to use the restroom, I have to buy something just because I feel weird about it. So That's why you always stop at a hotel. I, <laughs> You just walk in one yeah, but it's so much anything. more expensive to, to get a room I don't need than it is to buy a french fry. But, <laughs> yeah, and Brian but, feels weird about having the continental breakfast without staying there. I don't, yeah, get a box I, of Cheerios. The, the Velveeta omelet that they've got yeah. where they squirt the cheese oh, and then Lord. fold it over. Well, but like you go into the, the newer McDonald's and like you don't even order through a person anymore. They don't have somebody sitting at the register waiting for you unless like you're absolutely adamant and they have like one like pay direct line. But otherwise you go in off of a computer screen and enter it. And that's an example where the system was never really about we need a person there. It was we didn't have a better way of doing it. Right. But that's not Chick-fil-A. No, but that's that's okay. Chick-fil-A's model. No, but I haven't ordered, yeah. like, spoke to anyone at Chick-fil-A in a long time because if I don't order it through my app, I don't order it. Oh, there's there you there, go. There, there's or that. McDonald's. McDonald's okay. and Chick-fil-A. I, I get in the drive-through line, bing, 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 done. Order. Wow! See, like we needed, we needed somebody who was high tech to come on the show. Yeah. I mean, we don't. I, I don't even know. I didn't even know there was an app for McDonald's. You used to get, they have deals every day. It's like twenty percent off every day. Yeah, every day. Then it doesn't become a deal if it's every day. But it's a deal, man. <laughs> Urgency. Urgency. I, I feel yeah. like we've talked about this. Yeah. So I do think that you know, as we, as we move into what we haven't experienced in a while, we have to remember that that every there there are pockets of of how it affects everybody. So it I live on Lake Norman. Essentially I people are buying two million dollar houses on cash right now. Like it there there is nothing that's going to happen to them in the next eighteen months that they even really care about. Like yeah. it's it the if they want to buy ten thousand dollars worth of furniture they're just going to walk in and buy $10,000 worth of furniture. So in, in our area, we, we almost have a little buffer around some businesses if you cater to them. But if you're like where I grew up in Missouri, like 60% of the people are below the poverty level anyway. Yeah. So those businesses, they've got, you know, they've got manufacturing plants. They can't, their supply chain is wrecked, right? So they're trying to, they're laying people off because the supply chain is wrecked and every, it costs too much to have people. So I think it, we forget where we are, that we are not typical. I walk out of my house and I see Tesla's, Lambos, you know, Porsches, like that's, the people that's, that live around me. And that's even broader. That's where, they park, that's where they park to hop in their planes. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I, I think to your, your point, there is like a level of impact. Like if you make $30,000 a month and let's say inflation affects you by 10% 
and you now make $27,000 a month, you're still living okay. Gosh, if you make, that's a tough day. Yeah, I, I've if, been really dreading that coming my way. Well, well I mean, <laughs> but if you make 3000 and you lose $300, that $2,700 may exactly. be the difference between I can make it and not make it. Right. I mean, they say, I don't know what the exact statistics are, but every, that's Jack's job. Uh, yeah. He's going to look that up. He's like, I'm looking up give, give right me, now. What you got? Well, they, they say 8%. Yeah. yeah, $500 away from bankruptcy, right? The average American family, if if we're already you know feeling it at this point, I mean, and, and what little news I do ingest, I know California is putting out a, a recession money, just like we got all the you know Boy. COVID money. Oh, really? So I'm pretty sure... A pocket of California is getting about a thousand dollars or a thousand fifty for recession. Yeah. So I, I did look it up. We're doing a jack the fact. So there's a Forbes article. Sixty-three percent of Americans don't have enough savings to cover a five hundred dollar emergency. So sixty-three percent. Isn't that crazy? That's, That's wild. Crazy. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, or, and then look or, or a five hundred dollar bar thing. tab when we leave. Oh. Well. <laughs> well and, and the thing that they say it's an 8% increase, but that's not really what it looks like. like if you go, I just bought a, oh, that's, a two things of eggs. It was normally like three bucks. It's almost six now. It's double. That, yeah. That's a hundred. Right. I know. Like I said, a hundred dollars <laughs> worth of groceries is two, a 200. Yeah. It's, it's all relative because it's only $3. So you're not, you're, you're not looking at the person. So oh, I am. I'm looking no, good. Come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like you're this not going to choose like, well, I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to eat eggs now because they went up up three dollars i mean you might but my point is is when the dollar amount is small enough yeah. the percentage change doesn't matter and when the dollar amount is big enough the dollar amount change doesn't matter the percentage is bigger and more important i will say there's shifts and like you aren't going out and buying luxury foods you know if you have to make decisions i, I stopped doing the caviar you know probably the first for breakfast i, I mean if you're looking Big fan of bacon, but bacon's almost like ten dollars a pound. Yeah. You just crazy expensive. Yeah, so you just maple stop buying syrup, it. Maple syrup, y'all. Yeah. Have you seen the price of maple syrup? It's Canadians. Yeah. It went from like nine dollars for the jug to fourteen dollars. Yeah. Jeez. I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. I guess those uh, El- El- Elf would be very disappointed. I don't know why you look at me for movie quotes. I, I, I'm your I, worst you, option. He, he, Jack is very true, and I did look at him for that. I, I just got this blank stare like, Elf, what is that? But oh. you're so pretty, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> at least I have one good thing. <laughs> Endearing. Yeah. Uh, at least so, we can laugh about it, right? Yeah, totally. So one of the Stupid things, elf. like, and in, in, in we do a lot with business strategy. So when we're talking with businesses around like what's changing around them, how do you reassess what you need to do? And, and like when you're looking at where it's at, I think the biggest thing that I'm, I'm, my fear is that businesses won't realize this, that if you started your business within the last five years, let's just say that, you've never experienced a moment in time where people weren't increasing their spending. So you've existed yep. in a business environment where people are, the, the analogy I would use is, people are standing there waving money, trying to figure out who they're giving it to. And a lot of businesses have, have in their mind, grown substantially simply because they participated in a growing market. They've done nothing to grow other than exist. And now you're gonna shift to this area where these markets, these people, are going to stop waving their money around and you're gonna have to find them. Like you will no longer be able to just open your doors and people will buy from you. So it's, it becomes more complicated. And I, I've just come across businesses and we've talked about this a lot. Very rarely does anybody, anybody have a share gain strategy. And what I mean is like, 
how if the whole pie is not going to keep getting bigger and your slice isn't going to get bigger with it, how do I go take a part of somebody else's slice in order for me to keep getting bigger? And nobody's addressing that because it's an entirely different business model than it is to like, and this isn't about marketing good, marketing bad, sales good, sales bad, but like when things are good, marketing is so important because you're just trying to get people that are trying to spend money to funnel that to you. Marketing doesn't become less important. It just may be less effective relative to sales and it flip-flops where when all of a sudden you're in this environment where you've got to go take from somebody else in order to get, that becomes more of a sales-dominated function. Oh, so and, you've met the payroll industry. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> but well, I, I just think businesses, I'm just shocked at how much people still think, like, if I keep behaving the same way I have for the last four years because it's worked, that when the whole game is changed, they're still going to drive right off that cliff doing the same things. Like, like SUVs? Yeah. yeah we'll just exactly. keep making them. Yeah. They're going to keep SUVs buying them. SUVs are great when you Oops. haul, yeah, when you want to throw the kids in the back and take them to a soccer tournament. Not so great when it's $6 a gallon. Yeah. Well, right. And let's say that's kind of where I think things are happening, right? You say it's under 100 but the prices haven't changed. Are we being forced into, you know, a change in how we operate our lifestyle? I feel like that could be what's coming. Like, okay, now I need to get an electric vehicle or how am I going to trans, you know, transportation, it's going to look differently. So I know there's companies here in Charlotte, one in particular, Shandoka Cycles, I know they do like the, they're working on a electric motorcycle. So I wonder like who are the people, you see the Teslas are coming around, they're actually becoming more affordable. Are we going to do that? But then you also look at the grid, right? Where is the energy really coming from? So it's the chicken or the egg, you know, eggs on strike. But I, I mean, I all all industries experience it. So, I my main vertical forever was insurance agencies. Insurance agencies, they would literally get their license, put an ad in the telephone book, and they were good to go. They were making money hand over fist. What could go wrong? And then Geico came out, and Progressive came out. All these different carriers came out, or it was an online world. They didn't change. They just kept doing the same thing. Just, just keep pounding that wall. We'll, we'll power through it. Eventually, we'll break through the other side. And now they struggle because they did not adapt yeah. to the, the newer market. Now, it's not for everybody. High earners, they're not going to want to go to Geico because they want somebody who's an insurance professional. It's not for everybody, but you, there's a whole market that is not being captured. And if you wait till it's too late, like the SUV thing, they had to get bailed out. They just kept making SUVs until it was too late. You got to make those shifts well, far ahead of time. And, and Walmart's a great example of a company that did acknowledge the shift. I mean, when Amazon came out, Am- Amazon, by the way, like their model has never been like we're the lowest price. That's Walmart's model. Right. Lowest price always. Like that's their motto. But they didn't. I mean, what were they the largest other than maybe McDonald's, the largest number of brick and mortar locations in the world? I mean, Kmart, by the way, they're extinct. Right. And they they didn't adapt. And they they actually lost out long before Amazon was a thing. They lost out to Walmart. But But I do miss the blue light special. I was just going to say, like, people remember, like, when that blue light, it's like the the 13th donut or or the hot and ready when you go to Krispy Kreme, like, for the South, you know? All of a sudden, you get an extra hot Grandma, Grandma, the blue light's on, the blue light's on. Yeah. And people would rush. And it was a thing. But 
Walmart. All the, all the people Jack's age are like, what, what does that mean? Is yeah, that some, light, so yeah, that's something I don't, I don't need know. to know about. Yeah. I thought you were going to like a red light district thing. Totally <laughs> yeah. not. I remember Kmart. Jack, this is a family special, show. Come on, man. It was when you were in the grocery store, right? Yeah. It would go off? No. I don't even know. Yeah. Kmart no, had a store. thing where you go and they would have the blue light. So wherever the blue light was blinking, there was a, a sale right I there. I thought so. Like a spot sale. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. Fancy. Well, but awful. like <laughs> in store marketing. But yeah. like Walmart Walmart adapted and they were because they didn't they didn't initially offer the online experience. They were all in store. But they didn't wait to find out if they could win this battle and, right. and be Walmart. They quickly said, like, yeah, it's a pretty good model. We're going to adapt it, too. We're, we're never going to be better at, than Amazon at the shipping side, but we're still the lowest price. Yeah. Well, and they were a huge leader in the shop from shop for your groceries from home. Mm -hmm. Like, we were doing, you know, grocery pickup yep. years before COVID. And then, you know, I actually stopped doing my grocery pickup during COVID simply because it was so packed I couldn't find a spot. So yeah. they were prepared unknowingly i mean nobody could have predicted COVID, but they were prepared because they were constantly thinking ahead Forward like what's thinking. the next thing on the on yeah. the agenda so i'm going to take a you call it a positive side but like nobody could have predicted COVID, right to your point brandy what i'm hearing now is when i have conversations with clients granted like yes 95 percent of it is focused on data and that sort of thing which we don't really get into recession talks there but in conversations with people the recession talk doesn't come up that often I think it's because of the past few years, it's been like, oh man, like this happened, then COVID happened, now inflation, then there's, there's a million things Monkey pox, right? Exactly, monkey pox. <laughs> and then it's just everything that comes- <laughs> Who hasn't had it? <laughs> it's, it's like, okay. Bats are coming. That's the next thing. I guess we're gonna deal with it. So I, it's almost an ignorance is bliss type situation. And like, there's somewhat of a, we need to plan for it, but there's also a, whatever happens, we're a strong business. We have strong connections in Charlotte. Et cetera, et cetera. We'll be able to handle it. I, I, I think that's very true, generally speaking, about conversations with people. But when it comes to business, the difference between COVID and a recession that I think is very distinct is COVID was basically delaying a thriving market. It's like created, we call it like tsunami demand. It's like literally the wave pulls out to sea. You can see it building back up. It's the same amount of water, but it comes crashing in when you're least prepared for it. That was COVID because you couldn't get yourself prepared for like what was gonna happen. That's why restaurants didn't have enough workers. That's why the demand was so good because the economy really hadn't changed. Right. It just got stopped artificially. But a recession is different. Like, and what my concern for businesses are, I don't think many of them out there have ever dealt with one. And how do you go navigate it? Because you, it, the, the differentiator between the two things is, a lot of people thought COVID was gonna end their business. Mm -hmm it slowed it down, it stopped it, you know, and, and, and it's not even about which businesses were allowed to operate, which weren't at what point in time. There are a lot of businesses that went under simply because it took too long for them to get access to be able to, to be in business again. So they didn't have enough cash and they withered away. But now in a recession, it's, it's not cash. You're gonna be talking about profit. You're gonna be talking about your top line's gonna shrink and if there's inflation, your bottom line's gonna shrink at the same time. That's implosion in your business. And you can't see my hands, but I'd made a little accordion as I was doing that, but. <laughs> well, I can say too, like in the industry I was in prior to leaving corporate America, I watched them as well do the same thing. And now they're out of business, right? If we don't address it head on, they really did, unfortunately, you know, get you, hit. 
And you're gonna see, especially in the bigger businesses, a lot of consolidation. So. It's an earthquake. Yeah. <laughs> see, another thing just happens. That's why yeah. we can't have nice things. Just keep yeah. going. Just keep rolling, keep rolling. And I think one of the things too, the difference between the pandemic and recession, they pumped billions of yeah, dollars into. Stimulus money. Yeah, all that PPP money that came in. Uh, my accounts receivable never looked so good. Uh, I was like, man, what's happening? It's all paid up. But I think in a recession, there's that rescue money is not going to be there. Correct. And if you're not prepared to already have a plan in place, like getting your sales funnel, getting your HR in order, what can you do to attract talent for maybe less money, having a plan, yeah, having I mean, your processes in place, being able to analyze your data, just going around the table, what we all do, those things aren't done now. And you try to do it when it happens, like you're in trouble. One, you're not going to have the money. And two, you're not going to be ready for it. It's going to take too long to ramp up. Well, I'm going to do a shameless plug for Brian off of that because that's – so I, I know several of the folks that, that Brian has worked with, and, and that's one of the things that he does well is, is it – I have worked for businesses where, where it's bank balance accounting, right? Like, oh, we have a ton of rent of you. Let's spend a lot of money. And, and Brian takes the, the long-term perspective on your businesses and says, okay, here's the strategies we need to beef up for more revenue. Here's the expenses that we need to either monitor, cut out, whatever. So it, it's a it's a global perspective, exactly what you're talking about, Brandon. It, it's it's more it's more than just oh, perfect example. Yeah. So we we have you know you guys doing our benefits for our payroll. We're just gonna have to tighten up. Okay, but if you tighten up and you drop benefits out of our services, guess who's at your office? doing all the manual paperwork for those things. So it really is comes down to a strategy of how your business is best served. Do you work with a fractional? Do you outsource things? You know, you have to be strategic in your sales. And there's no such thing as a one-sided pancake, right? Like yeah. there's going to be two sides to every fact. And Brandy, you totally get some more tater tots for that one. Yeah. That, so. <laughs> um, you bribed her to come on. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't realize that was coming, but I'm on the hook for some tots now. So. <laughs> well, um, and another thing that Brian said in a conversation we had when he's talking about, you know, the piece of the pie and getting somebody else's, what's, you know, beautiful about that too is that you're offering the, the transformation. Talk about yeah. that piece because there was actually, it was really well, mind blowing. Yeah, so I mean, it's very different. It's always been a challenge for my business to engage with business owners that are thriving in what we call like a market expansion strategy, which is I need to get out there and make sure people know who I am. They, when my doors are open, they come spend money with me. That's what we've been in for the last 11 years, 10 years, other than maybe the blip we call like the actual shutdown in COVID. So that's been there. But then there's the share gain, which we talked about. But then there's the transformation strategy, which is if my pie is shrinking and I'm in, I've got a slice in that pie how do I go invest to create new consumers of the pie even if they don't buy my slice like if the whole pie continues to grow because like when I worked for Owens Corning we made glass products and we competed with paper like any like on drywall is probably the perfect example where there was paper, we would try to replace it with a, a glass made paper. So it had glass fiber in it. It was different. And we were probably eight or 9% of what we would call the market in terms of total usage of glass versus paper, meaning 91% of the other people, 91% of the industry was using paper instead of glass. 
we were hellbent on getting more people to buy glass, even if they bought it from our competition, because we can always fight for that later. We can always go back and get it later. Once it's in our pie, it's up for grabs, if you have a share gain strategy, right? So transformation was about creating more people that are willing to buy your pie versus the pie they're used to buying. And then there's always adjacency strategies, which would be, how do I do something in somebody else's pie, even if I just have a little sliver? Just a couple bites out of just it. Just a bite, yeah. But, <laughs> just reach but just over the, with the fork like and get it. Yeah, an example. That's like, usually how I eat my tater tots. Like one of my customers is a bookkeeper, and I'll just say Lupus Bookkeeping, Robin Lupus, right? So Robin is, preference is she wants to do the bookkeeping, but she's also trained as a certified QuickBooks person. So if a business decided... I want to insource this and I don't want to have you, Robin, do this for me. She can still come and train them to be able to adequately do it and make revenue off of their decision not to use her. So it's an adjacency market. And so she's not going to make a lot of money off of it, but heck, if I'm not going to sell to you, I might as well train you and you still pay me. So those are like the different strategies that exist for growing your business. And three of them are all about the time where it is irrelevant if the market is growing or shrinking because they're actions you can take as a business, not I'm going to wait for it to happen to me. Control what you can control. Yeah, And exactly. not to take the thunder of Scott Hensley, which I know he's coming, but I know you can't see what I'm doing, but we talked the other day about, you know, a, a Gidget. Just think of a whatever, right, and you're selling it. If it's all the same price, what is your unique value proposition? He, he said those words, and I know I've heard them before, but it was like, you know, mind-blowing, where if it's like, if they're all the same price, but this person, you know, donates to this charity or or I'm local, you can get a hold of me. There's something different about the one. If they're all the same in price, then you're just at a price war. You gotta set yourself apart, especially in a That's market. also known the race to the bottom. Yeah. Right. Yep. Right. And exactly. So exactly what we run into, everybody sells phones, everybody sells email, everyone sells Office 360, everyone sells it. The one thing that we do is we bundle it together, so that takes price out of the equation, and then we offer the service behind it. So you don't have to call 50 people. You don't have to call Microsoft while your email's not. You don't have to make all those phone calls. You just, it's broken, call us, it's done. And there's no price involved. It's, it's, this is how much the package costs. And you're not fighting over, oh, well, I can get my email for, you can get your email for $10. Knock yourself out. But you're not gonna get all these other services that are bundled with it, and then you're not gonna get the support that goes with it. And then so, you ask him, what is your time worth? Yeah. Exactly. Right. What are, you're not going to get those three hours yeah, back from Spectrum when they're telling you the problem is something that's yeah, it's, not it's, like it's your antivirus. To, but I yeah. love being on hold. It right. makes me so or, happy. I mean, or better yet, the, I, no. I love being told I'll be there between eight and noon. Yes. Yeah. Right. Oh, it's so or, fun. Or, and then and it's it'll take me an hour and I show up at eleven forty-five. So really, it's right. one at this point. <laughs> yes. You know. Right. Or when you've yeah. been on hold for an hour and then they finally go, hello, 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 click. Oh. <laughs> Crushing. So we're, we have to wrap up on that point. And actually, this would be a teaser for another one, too. But I'm in a business where there is very, very little competition. My biggest competition is somebody trying to learn and do it on their own. And that's like the internal time. But we don't have to get into that now because we do have to wrap up. Randy said you should get into HR. No competition. Yeah. <laughs> but, right? Something I mean, like that. <laughs> I, I, I think your competition, Jack, is basically business owners that actually just don't want to know more. I mean, they don't want to be exposed to the realities in their business. Which is a completely different even market too, because I'm not even selling to them. Yeah. But that is weirdly my competition too. Yes. Yeah. Anyways, not to get too deep into it. 
Nike doesn't sell basketball shoes to people that don't play basketball. Right. <laughs> they still buy them, though. Yeah. Actually. Because they want them. <laughs> yeah, because they want them. Brandy, Jen, thank you very much for returning as guests. Super fun topic. Everybody, uh, go hire a business coach. We'll call this one the Hire Brian episode. <laughs> hire a fractional person. Hire a fractional. Yeah. Hire you know what? They're part-time out. Quarter of the cost and so and, much and more if expertise. He, if he happens yeah. to be Irish-looking and a little gingerish and a stating personality. <laughs> and yeah. comes from the Ohio State. That's right. Then I mean that's also good too. If he comes in sunburned, that's your guy. I'm actually sunburned from being in this room. Right. That's just heat stroke. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I may yeah, just take us out. Thanks so much, everybody. I'm gonna right. If I had a perfect day, I would have it start this way. Open up the fridge and have a tall boy. Yeah. Then I'd meet up with my friends.